0: What's up, fantasy nerds? Welcome back to another episode of Inking Out Loud. I'm your host, Rob Santos, and I'm joined, as I always am, by my co-host, Drew McCaffrey. How's it going, everybody? And for episode 71, Drew and I have a new guest with us today, so let's welcome Nisha Adelman to the cast. What's up, Nisha?
1: Hello! Dara Yavahush will be the name of my firstborn. Oh, yeah? (laughs) That's
0: kind of a mouthful. (laughs) It took me a few tries to get that one down. (laughs) Nisha's a friend of Drew's, and she joins us today for our discussion of City of Brass, the first installment in S.A. Chakraborty's new Devabad trilogy, released in November of 2017. So, let's just dive right in and get our weekly summary from Drew. Take it away, my man. What happened in City of Brass? (laughs) Yeah, this is going to be a
2: a bigger summary, because we did the whole book this week. Uh, Basically, the book follows two main characters, Nari and Ali. Nari is a young thief girl from Cairo who discovers that she's actually um, much more than just a simple thief and is in fact uh, the, well, possibly the last remaining in a line of uh, jinn who, uh, man, used to used to run things in Devabad. And uh, <clears throat> she, while working a scam, inadvertently summons, Dara, another one of the main characters uh, who then protects her from some Ifrit who are trying to kill her, gets her across about half of Asia to Devabad, and into the protection of the city of Brass. Meanwhile, Ali is the second son of the king in Devabad, and he's kind of struggling with his loyalty between the oppressed Shafid, who are half jinn, half-human, and his family loyalties. He and uh, Nari develop a relationship, becoming friends, and then, you know, maybe a little more interest than just friends by the end. Uh, But Dara throws a wrench in things, kidnaps both of them, and ultimately there's a big old showdown where Ali dies and then doesn't die and kills Dara, who (laughs) may not have died. (laughs) And, uh, And we are stuck at the end of the book, where Nari is betrothed to Ali's brother, and Ali has been exiled and stripped of his titles.
1: I feel like there's a lot of not dying in this book. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It tends to happen with immortals like Dariyabahush.
3: Yeah. <laughs> oh,
1: man. I,
0: I, so I'm going to start this off with a disclaimer as to precisely how I consumed this book. Because uh, I, I, I was finally called back in for work on Monday of this pa- just this past week, so I wasn't able to do as much physical reading as I was, you know, hoping to. Uh, that said though, I did still have some audible credits in the bank, so I-, I downloaded this one first on audio, and I listened to about 60% of this book on audio, while welding, and then just this morning I decided to buy the ebook for that last 40%, because, you know, I had a lot more time to be reading on the weekend, and the second half-ish went by one morning. It was a lot quicker. Um, and right out, of, right out of the gate, you know, I, I liked Sh- uh, Chakraborty's style in terms of her sheer, like, literary talent. She can clearly write her way through a scene fluidly. Um, it reads like an experienced writer. Uh, so I just wanted to ask, preliminarily speaking, how did you guys feel about her style?
1: I love her style. I think it's really easy to read. It's, like, super fast. I'm a really slow reader. Drew can Same. definitely vouch for that. Uh, Same, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like I find it really easy to consume. I definitely still have to take like breaks, but that's just my reading style. Um, but I really enjoy it, and it's like so simple, but it doesn't feel like she's talking down to you.
2: Yeah, that's a good, <laughs> good way <laughs> to true. describe it. It is. It is definitely straightforward. Uh, she has a tendency toward info dumps, which was something that I didn't love, but it it also didn't you know like ruin my reading experience. Uh, there was a lot of detail. She she really loves developing a scene, you know, the visuals of a scene. Um, and that's something I think, you know, we can maybe compare a bit to Robert Jordan or Brandon Sanderson. Although I think she uses her detail differently. Uh, a lot of the time with Brandon Sanderson specifically, his you know, setting details are usually directly related to establishing a character trait or, or setting up some kind of internal character conflict, whereas Robert Jordan and uh, here, S.A. Chakraborty, her name's Shannon, right?
1: Yeah, Shannon.
2: Okay. Um, Didn't know that. I looked her up, too. They, they both have more of a tendency to, like, the flowery, like, I want to
0: paint this picture in your mind kind of style. So... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like on on the subject of those info dumps, Drew. I can I can definitely appreciate the amount of lore that Chakraborty must have spent her whole life studying. Um, even if it's not my particular cup of tea, there were some few like root words that I recognized. The Agnivanchi, for example, I recognized. Oh, Agni, the Hindu god of fire. Okay, and I just also learned looking this up that it's also the Sanskrit word for fire. Didn't know that. Um, the Apep was another pleasant surprise for me because i recognized the root apophis the, the greek serpent god but that's about where my familiarity ended <laughs> there are a lot of new words for me in this one and i started off quite overwhelmed i'm gonna admit it um that, and that feeling never really went entirely away until i decided that the the overwhelming feeling itself may have been a conscious decision somewhere around the halfway point i decided to stop trying to keep track of all these societies and trying to keep them straight in my head between the Deva, the Ifrit, the Shafit, the Ayanle, the Tukaristani, the Agnivanchi, the Sarain, the Hindustani—we have the the Katani versus the the Nahids. Not to mention all these varying elementals to keep track of. You know, instead I just kind of rode that wave, you know, trusting that after enough time it was just going to start falling into into place. And after a, you know, it did for a large part, but. You know, I still have to admit, I found myself struggling with the sheer volume of new vocabulary, and it kind of pulled me out of the story at first. But I can't deny that, for those who really enjoy, like, your variety and your culture, your language, your behavior, there's probably a lot to be had in this book that I just really wasn't equipped to appreciate. So, how did we, we being both, pardon me, both of you, how did you deal with, like, the overwhelming variety of cultures to memorize?
1: So I am half Indian, so a okay. lot of that did not bother me at all. Um, okay. My husband is fluent in Arabic, so a lot of that was really familiar <laughs> so you, to me. So you,
0: yeah, equipped, there we go, right on. <laughs> yeah,
1: I think, um, like, fantasy, especially in the U.S., is so often written from a European perspective that that's what we've learned, and this is, uh, I would argue, no different from those, but you're seeing it from a very Muslim and Asian perspective, like mm. Middle East and Asia. Um, So I didn't actually struggle with that at all and I found that she did a really good job of reminding you what things were So if you like forgot, usually she would like describe it again or tell you again and you'd be like, oh, right duh." So
0: yeah, yeah, she'd have that penchant to actually show you rather than just tell you again Mm -hmm. Yeah, Yeah, I
2: You know when I first started reading this book, I you know, I opened I, I read it on ebook. You know, I open the, my app and I go to the first page and there's this like you know description of each of the you know, the Deva tribes. And I'm like, I'm just going to skip this. Like, <laughs> like I started reading <laughs> the first one. I was like, I, this means nothing to me right now. I'm not going to remember this. I'll <laughs> revisit it if I need to as I go through the story. And I didn't end up really needing to go back and reread those. Uh, she did a good enough job building the world that you know by the by the end of the book i felt very comfortable with you know the the different cultures and factions and and the you know political maneuvering and everything i didn't have a problem keeping track of who was who um and maybe that's just because of the way i approached it where i'm like yeah a lot of this is drawn from real world mythology but i just kind of treated it as another fantasy book with a bunch of you know capital letter words that uh you know, going in, I don't know them, yeah. So I have to learn it over the course. Mm. You know, it's it's no different than going into the Wheel of Time and having to learn, you know, Aes Sedai and Ashaman and Ayil and Athaan Mier and all this stuff. Like, it's no different. And as long as it's written well and the world is expanded in a in a digestible way, it was easy for me to pick
0: up. So, yeah. How did we feel? This is gonna. This is something I've been kind of anxious to discuss, maybe a little apprehensive to discuss. I wanted to ask how we felt about the relationships in this book, particularly the relationship (laughs) between our two main characters. Main, in this case, being Nari and Dara. How do we feel about that? Because I'm going to have something to say about that, but I may be ranting in a minute, so I'll give you guys a
3: chance (laughs)
1: I love it. I love yeah. this kind of nonsense. Oh, I absolutely adore it. And, oh, my God. Dara is okay. such a bastard, and I love him to bits, but I just, oh, I love all of it. I really, he actually reminds me of one of the characters uh, who's in uh, my, <laughs> Drew nodding log. He reminds me of one of the characters I wrote. I just absolutely love
0: him. Oh, really? Okay.
2: Yeah. My curiosity <laughs> has been piqued. I've, I've beta-read a few of Nisha's stories, and, uh, <laughs> and- I got about maybe twenty percent
0: of this book and I was like okay yeah, no, I get why she likes this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> I like that you put it that way, too, that you you love this kind of nonsense, or at least uh, was it Dara's nonsense, I think you said. It
1: absolutely is nonsense. He's such a bastard. He's like, there's such, like, so much wrong with him. I feel like you can still sympathize with him in some ways, but I just, I love that, like, conniving, kind of evil, but kind of not, but, like, what is he up to? I just love it. And I thought Mm. Nari was great, so, and she never felt like she was just getting dragged along, like, she wanted something, she went for it.
2: okay okay um well, yeah you... i uh i didn't love it <laughs> I, I will say i did not like dara like pretty much from the get-go and i was expecting there to be some kind of a turn with his character and
0: there was and it just made him worse so <laughs> yeah um, Excuse me. when we get to our character discussions i mean I'll, I'll start off right now and say actually i'll highlight to see just how much i have bitching about dara here I have twelve hundred words, twelve hundred words 12? pitching about Dara that I'm going to get to, eventually when we get to our, our our character discussions individually. But right now, I just want to talk about the relationship because it's kind of still like a style discussion point here. Um, brace yourselves for this. I absolutely hated the relationship between those two, um, <laughs> like like as, and, and for me it was it was with, just with how predictable it was out of the gate. I'll admit that the first ten to twenty percent of this book for me. In some places, just the first 10 to 20%, kind of read like a lame teenage fantasy. The first instant, literally the first instant that we see this masked figure with startlingly green eyes, my immediate reaction was, oh, okay. So when do we find out that he's handsome as well as super strong and mysterious? (laughs) And sure enough, waking up at the Oasis, Nari sees his face. I believe the words she used were painfully handsome you know I was like okay so I'm nodding my head again at this point thinking alright romantic interest secured chapter 3 pretty bold but okay let's see where this goes then she sneaks up to take a look at it to take a look at to steal his ring while he sleeps and of course she can't help but notice his rippling muscles I'm nodding my head again okay okay now we just need (laughs) all we need now to finish this is a tragic reason that they cannot be together and we've got ourselves a proper Twilight-esque tragic love story right out of the gate now, hold on. Before, oh I pla- before I get before I get flamed for that I want to remind our audience and inform our new guest I have gone on record for saying I have both read and enjoyed the entire the entire Twilight series okay okay I just <laughs> I wasn't ready in my to see in my opinion a relationship that felt so forced so soon that's all I'm gonna say about that. so
2: uh, tell me if I'm wrong here but the way I interpreted it um, was that like at least from the outset it is set up where it's like okay nari is just like a really horny girl who like, stumbled into a relationship with with a super good looking dude but as we came to know more about how the slave curse works am i making this up or is there not something inherent to it where the slaves are like super super attractive oh yeah they, they, they literally
1: more, say yeah. that at one Physically, point that yeah, that's part of the curse yeah
0: yeah, yeah. yeah. It just, I wasn't expecting to be beat over the head with it 50 times before we even reached <laughs> c- the actual city of Brass. I was like, oh, man.
1: I but. did feel... I do get that. I did feel like there were times where it's like, okay, so we missed a week with them, and now she's like, wow, I really like hanging out with him. When the last chapter we read, they she was like, wow, this guy's creepy and weird. So there were, like, skips, but I was kind of like, you know what? Whatever. This is like the first time i've ever read a muslim fantasy i think i'm gonna just let that slide sure (laughs) and it was fun in the end like i was like you know whatever here's a brown girl getting what she wants that's what like i've been wanting to read my entire life
0: (laughs) yeah i like i wouldn't i wouldn't like uh condemn the actual subject material i have no problem with a cheesy fantasy or like a cheesy love story but if it was just how heavy-handed to me it was like i from the first description of those green eyes i knew word for word where it was going to go although I thought I thought it was going to take the entire book before she started to really come around on him and start to realize he's got like a nicer side it was like by chapter 7 she was already head over heels for this guy I was like oh wow that was wow, that was quick okay alright and of course he returns the feeling too which I found a little hard to believe at first just because of how uh, how the circumstances were but I'll save that for our character discussion is there anything else about style that you guys want to discuss before we start talking about Nari for example yeah, so, and maybe Go it's it. less
2: style as it is just overall plot.
0: Uh, I thought this
2: book kind of lost its way a little bit in the middle third, kind of around the second act, once they got to Davabad, where a lot of the stakes that were set up in the first maybe 100, 150 pages just kind of got shoved to the side and forgotten until the end of the book. And at least the impression i got coming out of this is that it's like okay no those things are for the rest of the series and i just found that really interesting in how she structured it that she made the choice to say all right my hook for this for the first volume is going to be something that won't get resolved until at least book two or book three and you know so you get drawn in for this story and then this story is kind of just going to get dropped and then we're going to do this other thing for the rest of the book. And then we'll go back to that first story later on. I, I was a little put off by that, and I will admit it, it lost me in the middle third. But, okay. uh, you know, once I kind of <clears throat> got a handle on where I thought it was going... Um, like, I just had an issue that in the second half of the book, it felt like none of the characters had concrete goals. It it was none of them really felt like they had much agency, and they did have agency or at least had goals in the first half. So,
0: like, what did you guys think about that? Did you feel the same way? I would only push back on that with the case of Ali. I really like I really liked Alizade really and I figured he had like I felt he had a solid goal throughout the entirety of the book. But in in most other aspects, yeah, I can kind of see what you're saying. the The first third of the book to me was a completely different book. It was an adventure story, and then we mm-hmm. got to Devabad, and then it became a, a political thriller. Um, now, mm-hmm. granted, I like a political thriller. I really do. It just felt like a different book to me. But I wouldn't say that it I re- I really you know it really pulled me out
1: at all. Nisha. Um, I don't know. I like, I feel like so much of that also is Nari getting there and then like, she wants to do medicine, but like, everyone's pushing her. So she like, is really conflicted about herself and there's so much going on. I guess she can't have a lot of agency with the way the story is going because it's like, 20 different things are happening and it's like oh hey Dara's still a bastard oh hey this is going on here oh no one knows what's going on she's about to like do all this stuff that she doesn't understand and it's like she wants to do these things but the way the story is being thrown at her won't allow it so i like i don't don't know know. it didn't bother me i didn't feel like there was a serious lack of agency but i would probably let this book get away with a lot (laughs)
0: Okay, I I think this is a good jumping off point to start a character discussion specifically about Nari. Are we agreed? Sure. Yeah. Okay. Um, Another uh, disclaimer here. I really didn't like Nari. Really, really, really didn't like Nari. But, but, between, uh, aside from Dara and Nari, all the other characters I loved, and I'm going to have so much good to say about the other characters. But, I'm going to dive into Nari here. I'm going to, I might, this is going to be a little (laughs) tough to listen to for those who really, really like Nari, because I hated her. I hated Dara. I hated the relationship. (laughs) I I found Nari, particularly at the beginning, to be the most infuriating, immature, thoughtless plot vehicle of a character. By at the beginning, I mean everything until they reached Devabad. It really started for me in Chapter 5, when it was revealed that she had burned their only means of escape, tried to steal his ring, and then brought ghouls forth with her magic and even after she realizes oh sorry my alarm's going off here pardon me even after she realizes her monumental <laughs> and deadly mistakes she still decides as they're fleeing to hold her own life hostage against dara keeping them both there in danger with the approaching undead that want to rip them apart until she gets his name his name? Like, that's what you need right now in this very moment. While you're about to be ripped apart and eaten by the undead. I want your name! I was just like, oh my god. Oh <laughs> my god. I was shaking my head. And then, let's fast forward to where Hizor sacrifices himself for, you know, the you know, to save Dara and Nari. As Hyzor himself is dying, and he's telling her there's nothing that even she can do. Uh, he, he explains how he needs to die. He tells them the approaching danger is something that even with dara they have no hope to fight dara says goodbye to his best friend of centuries nari on the other hand having just met this guy days before starts actively fighting dara to throw themselves back into hopeless danger she's clawing at him she's screaming she's trying to break free and to go die beside him i guess that's her plan there like even in her next viewpoint chapter she's like we should go back I'm just like, yeah. this woman has the biggest death wish I've ever seen. <laughs> I was also
2: kind of baffled by that because she didn't have much reason to be attached to Kaiser. You oh, is it was Kaiser? She'd only. Yeah. Oh, pardon. The, I was uh, listening to the, the audiobook pottery. at that point. Yeah, it's. Um, I thought it was Kaiser. It's. At least it's spelled K-H-A It's probably oh,
1: wow. a H sound So it's yeah. Heiser, ah, yeah, okay. Heiser, okay. Heiser
2: I actually uh, think it was Yeah, But I mean she'd only met This dude once very very Briefly before that and then, and then you know He shows up again and saves them sure But like why does she have this Like this super over The top re- emotional reaction To somebody dying Whom she doesn't even really know
1: well, if anybody himself. was going to
2: have that, it would be Dara.
1: That's something, though, I think they keep touching on is that she wants to do medicine. She wants to save people. It's not about knowing him, it's that she doesn't want someone to die if she can save them. And she doesn't understand that she can't save him. She doesn't understand the world. She doesn't know Dara, so why should she trust him? I mean, I don't, speaking as a woman, I would hate to go anywhere with a guy I do not know and who won't even give me his name. <laughs> Like, why should I pick him over the Ifrit like, okay, at least I know the Ifrit are just gonna yeah. kill me. What is this guy gonna do? He's hauling me halfway across the country and not telling me anything? Totally get that. And then with Heiser, mm-hmm. I like she she wants to do medicine. You know, that's her like big thing the whole time. Yeah, yeah. Is that she wants to save yeah. lives. She's constantly trying to save people's lives.
2: It, it that just that particular instance didn't make sense to me because between like her, her over the top reaction to it and the fact that they know like if they turn around and go back that they, they dead. D E D dead. Like- <laughs> you know,
0: take, take, uh, take context too for later in the book when when she's she's you know, being instructed by Nasreen and Nasreen gives her specific instructions on how to save somebody's life. And she's just so overwhelmed with this tool that she doesn't want to use and then she ends up accidentally killing the guy and she's just so filled with self like with self doubt all the time, it, it just yeah. really strikes me as odd that she would be trying to put her life on the line to go save Haizur when she just met the guy, it, it, especially considering her total lack of self-confidence. I just, I, it didn't, yeah, to me, it didn't really make much sense, especially considering also, Dara's
1: reaction. I was like, well, Dara's able to do it, and he loves this guy. Also consider how many people in her entire life have been nice to her. No one. Haizur was Dara like at one this of, point. Was a, yeah, not, Dara's barely been nice at that point. I mean, that's past the cave scene, quote, unquote, cave scene. Uh, But he's like the he literally like when Dara won't tell her anything, who steps up to talk to her and be friendly? You know, it's him. Dara, even even in the cave scene, she's still like Dara's kind of not a guy she can trust, you know? So Yakub really? is the other guy who's been nice to her, but even Yakub's yeah. like, you shouldn't be doing this. You need to get a husband. You know who's the first guy in this entire it's entire entire, entire life who supported before, yeah. her? So I totally Can I just say, yeah. Uh,
2: I want Yakub to become friends with Ali. Yes, <laughs> that would be books. cool. I really want Ali that? to like say, "Screw my exile." Yeah, and, uh, I'm Gazira. I'm going to Cairo, and like.
1: That Forget be, all of your other scared. characters. Let's talk about Jakub.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I thought he was going to be a bigger part of this book. We left him behind in like chapter two.
1: Yeah, mm-hmm. I think it
0: was. Sucks.
1: I know, <laughs> uh,
0: but he's Secret probably Harry.
1: still doing his apothecary work. <laughs> yeah,
0: I will say on, on your point on your point about Haizur, and and how how she Nari's obviously been lacking this kind of understanding and 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 just. Treatment by those who actually see her as a person. Uh, she did make very, very specific note, now that you mentioned it, Nisha, that as soon as Haizur met her, like he was immediately way more polite, way more formal, way more respectful than than Dara has been or anybody else in her life has been. So I can I can kinda of, okay. I can kind of see how she would have a different reaction to Haizur. Maybe not as strong as one that she did, but a different one. I can see that. I
1: hadn't considered it. I that think before. Yeah, I think when you take those two things in conjunction, you get that, like, this is one of the few nice guys who's actually helped them and actually saved them. And he's one of the few people who's ever been nice to her. And you put that together, like, I really get why she's like, why are we leaving him here? Because she also doesn't understand the gravity. She doesn't understand that she can't heal him.
0: Yeah, I guess my frustration there is that she should know enough to realize she doesn't know anything. And that she, that if someone's <laughs> telling you, if yeah. the guy who's dying is telling you, look, even you can't save me, and nobody can fight what's coming. I think, like, at this point, she should have trusted him. And re- yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yep, yep I, yep,
2: I will say, like, overall, um, I wasn't as annoyed by Nari as it sounds like Rob was. Oh, I have um, more later. <laughs> Trust me, I'll have more I, later. <laughs> I, like, I thought she was fine as a character. Like, she wasn't my favorite or anything. Uh, but she was mostly just, like, uh, you know, she was an okay character to follow. I thought she was a decent enough protagonist. Um, I was definitely more interested in Ali and Jamshid. Jamshid, and, yes. Uh, and Moontadir. So, yeah. I'm
1: totally curious. Good. When you guys got to Ali's chapter, were you guys like, heck yeah, I love this, like the moment you started reading it?
2: Um, I don't know if it was the moment I started <laughs> reading it, but there was there were a couple of points early on with him where he, like, said or did things, and I was like, okay, yeah, I like this dude. Like, because he, he doesn't, uh, how do I put it? Like, he, he approaches certain situations and, like, other people's idiocy in the same way I tend to. (laughs) Where I was like, like, I empathize with the situation that he's in, where he has to, like, he's been, you know, trained and grown up a specific way to, like, abide by, like, generally pretty rational approaches to life, and then he's got these people being, like, fools around him, and, especially his brother, and, uh, (laughs) and his reaction to that felt a lot like what, if I were in his shoes, my reaction probably would have been.
0: Hmm. I just want to ask for clarification before I answer. Nisha, did you mean, like, the setting? Was it hard to get into, or do you mean him as a character? Both. (laughs) I know <laughs> I'll, okay, I'll, I'll answer both then. For the setting, I hated it right away. Surprise, surprise. But Ali is my favorite character. He quickly became my favorite character. I was very overwhelmed with our first viewpoint from inside the City of Brass and how many different societies, how many different new names we got. Yeah. Especially when you're on when you're on audiobook and you're trying to do a job, you're trying to weld <laughs> a bead down a line. It, it, it got really, really complicated. I had to rewind quite a bit. And then, like I said, eventually I reached a point where I just like, you know what? I'm going to stop rewinding and trying to keep track of all these different societies i'm just gonna let it flow eventually they'll fall into like well-worn ruts uh and it did happen ali was my favorite character in this book i loved him as a character he had a lot of problems at the beginning i'm gonna ha- point out a few of his flaws in fact we, we're just talking about ali as a character right now i can get my character points out of the way about him sure
1: <laughs> no. yeah why not <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah okay i do a lot about him but it's mostly positive uh, talk about the foreign environment. Uh, we, we can see that his heart is there. It's just not necessarily in the right place. He has a lot of self-righteousness issues. He has a lot of prejudice. Um, but I really appreciated watching what he did, not what he said. I really appreciated watching him free the slave girl and then end up almost getting killed for his rash, but honorable actions. Even something as small as, like, covering the cost that that intoxicant seller who had his his shop smashed at the beginning he covered the cost even though he doesn't agree with consuming intoxicants he's like ali like alizade is the paragon of the sentiment that it's the little things that matter so yeah. i really really appreciated his actions a lot more than his words sorry go ahead that's you guys funny run off that well comment. i
1: was just so i asked that question because when ali's chapter came it took me a really long time like i was like i don't Same. like this uh, like, the first time and the second time I read it, because i read the book twice now. For some reason, it's really jarring to me. I was, like, that, really into all of Nari's chapters, and then his came, and I was like, what the heck? Bring the me back guy. that hot huh? Deva guy! <laughs> <laughs> I can't blame you for that. It was, it was, it
0: was very overwhelming, <laughs> our first viewpoint inside the city. I was like, I had no idea what was going on. I was
1: lost. Yeah, I think that's probably part of it now that I think about it, too, is you are, like, all of a sudden, like, overwhelmed with all this information, and you're like, what the heck?
0: True, <laughs> Drew? Drew? Were you overwhelmed um, as we were?
2: Uh, no, I wouldn't say I yeah. was overwhelmed. Of course not. I, I, I'd say I was interested. Um, the biggest thing for me with that very first Ali chapter was just the striking similarities uh, between this book and what is going on in the world right now.
1: Yes. Where
2: I was like, I mean, it, this is crazy serendipitous timing that we're reading this book and discussing this book on June 7th, 2020, after, you know, two weeks of um, rioting and protests on, you know, around racial justice and discrimination. And then we have a book that has one of its principal plot lines centered around essentially police brutality and oppression of racial minorities like
0: is it, like, it, is it, it that was, surprising it was, though considering the 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 temperate the temperature of, of society nowadays and how it's 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 you know this has been a thing this has been a, a thing boiling to a head for many many years oh, now yeah, I think it's not
2: surprising the it's fact serendipitous that, that this Chakra is Bordy. the book we're covering right now
0: yeah, uh, yeah. Then again, this was written in like 2017, and we just happened to get dive right into it right, right now. Yeah, that's a good, you know. Yeah. I definitely noticed that the irony was not lost on me, that's for sure.
1: Yeah. Well, there's literally yeah, a so, line in there about like picking sides. I can't remember. I think it's Rashid says something about picking loyalty to like, Yes, I have that, for that, that one
0: of my favorite yeah. scenes later. I'm going to
3: be
1: able okay. to quote that one. I'll more stop word. talking. I'll stop talking. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> 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 All right. Uh, we're still on Ali, though, right? I can talk more about how much I loved Ali. Sure. Go go for
1: it. I really like (laughs) Ali too. Actually, it was just that like weird for some reason. The first chapter really tripped me up, and then after that,
0: I was like, I love this dude. Yeah. It just once you got past the veneer of all this, everything, just everything. I don't even need to explain. Once, but once you start to actually, you know, get a feel for him as a character, get his pulse. It's it's it's, he was definitely. Um, I don't know, my my touchstone. The point that I kept returning to, I kept looking forward to. And after I really started to get used to Ali, like around chapter 15-ish, I was starting to actually hate going back to Nari. And I was like, ah, crap, here we go again. (laughs) Back to the Twilight love story.
1: Um, (laughs) But you love Twilight!
0: (laughs) I didn't say I love Twilight. I said I enjoyed it. (laughs) But uh, I'll elaborate upon that more later, too. The execution of the Shafi prisoners at the very beginning. Ali doing his best to save the boy, what pain he can. That was uh, was powerful, powerful writing, and it's a great way to keep us, you know, sympathetic towards Ali despite his continued arrogance and self-righteousness. I feel like it would have been really, really easy for Chakraborty to give us an irritating character in Ali only to redeem him at the end, but from the start she gave us reasons for both, and I found it to be a very ballsy move, but perfectly executed. So, just want to say it again. I loved. Alizade, he, I love this character so much, especially considering how much of a contrast he was to Nari in terms of his self-awareness. After Nari spots his broken wrist, for example, you know the result of his sparring with Dara, he admits that he made, and I quote, a stupid mistake. And then he stops to consider it even farther and admits, no, you know what? Several stupid mistakes. He's just <laughs> he's just such an honest guy. It's hard not to like like not to like him regardless of what he says
2: yeah it's that blunt kind of personality and the willingness to be open and honest that I appreciated the most you know where he, he'll be having a conversation with Nari and he brings it he's like oh you, you know that Dara's hiding things from you and she's like well you're hiding things from me too and he's like oh you're right okay let me tell
0: you about that yeah <laughs> he just completely disarms her stance by like oh yeah. you think I got something to hide listen up <laughs> yeah that's good Uh,
1: The conflicts. Sorry, go ahead. Well, I was gonna say, I think another thing that really redeems Ali is when he's being insufferable. Someone goes, "Oh my God, you're so insufferable," you know. So, like when he's being insufferable, they turn it into a joke, and it's like, "Yeah, everyone knows." So even Mm -hmm. those moments, you're like, "Oh my God, Ali!" Oh my God. (laughs)
3: Yeah,
0: and and (laughs)
2: seeing that. Go ahead. I will say it, It is not just with Ali, but pretty much all the principal characters, it feels like Chakraborty went out of her way to really make them gray area characters. All of them. Yeah. Like, like yeah. she did not want you to be able to just root for somebody or just root against somebody.
1: Like, yeah. I again, actually really you- noticed that this time when I read it this time. I was like, none of these characters are, like, evil or good. Except for, like, Zaynab's kind of, like... She leans more toward the evil side, I would say. (laughs) Oh, see, I have predictions uh, about her going forward. I would love to hear your predictions.
2: (laughs) We'll get there. We'll get (laughs) get to predictions, yeah. Uh, But but with Ali, he fell more on the likable side for me. Yeah. Whereas Dara fell much more on the
0: dislikable side. Yeah, I liked... You know what? I, I can't say I entirely hated Dara, despite the fact that I have more notes about Dara, bitching about Dara, than all of my other <laughs> character notes combined. I can't say he was entirely bad, because he had a few... I, li- I liked him and Ali for exactly opposite reasons. I liked Ali for what he said, I liked Dara for what he did. Just these badass moments where it's like, oh, man, I wouldn't want to be that guy he just punched. You know? But as a person, Dara's a piece of human trash. Well, he's not human, but you know what I mean? Like, he's just... <laughs> yeah, he's, yeah. He's not good. <laughs> um, to, before we get to Dara, though, cause, oh, man, that, that's going to be a well for me there. Still want to finish up my points on Ali here. I want to talk about the conflicts that we are presented through, Ali, like, Zaid's points of view. I found those to be far more engaging than Nari's conflicts, for example. Like, Ali is so carefully trying to juggle both his, his duty to his family and his wavering conscience about their brutal methods of subjugating the Shafit. Um, I loved a particular moment in chapter 21 where Rashid, he, he, he confronts Ali. Oh, you know what? It was one of my favorite scenes. I actually have it right here in my points about Ali, the one you were just talking about, Nisha. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Rashid confronts Ali, saying, and I wrote it down word for word, We won't bother you again, Prince. If you change your mind, you know where to find me. And I hope you do. Because on the day of your judgment, Zaid, when you are asked why you didn't stand up for what you knew was just, He paused. His next words, finding Ali's heart like an arrow. Loyalty to your family won't excuse you. So poignant. So when I very, read very that. Very, very powerful bit of writing. Yeah.
1: Yeah, when I read that, like, this time, it was, like, there were just, like, wild riots and, like, all this stuff going on. And it's, like, yeah, you got to pick a side now. Like, you can't just be indifferent. And it was just wild to read that line. Like, yeah. oh, my gosh.
0: <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. And uh, you know, where I decided Ali was my favorite character. The actual moment I decided he was my favorite character was during that crazy assassination attempt scene where Ali is stabbed several times with... Is it Hano? Hano? His Hano, dagger? I think? Yeah, yeah. H-A-N-O. I kept accidentally writing down Hanto, Drew, from, <laughs> from Stover. <laughs> but uh, even even after Hano is defeated and he's no he like and ali no longer has the ability to remain standing his first and foremost thought is getting jamshid to dispose of the Shafit's corpse cuz he, he cares too much about the Shafit as a people to let them pay the price for hano's mistake the fact yeah. that he was able in that moment to make that conscious decision despite the fact that he was literally bleeding possibly to death that i was like that that moment where i was like okay ali is ali is the best one i like ali and i'm totally on board there
1: Yeah, I'm starting to see also like more about what you guys mean by that agency because like I feel like Nari had agency but was not allowed to use it like it was either Ghassan or Dara making decisions for her and she wanted something else that was like not even an option whereas Ali it was like an option for him he had a choice he could actually make while she absolutely couldn't so yeah that's a really good point but I do like Ali a lot
2: yeah Ali Ali I thought carried the story through the second act and into the third act and that at that point, Nari started having a little more of an impact on things, mm. um, but but Ali managed to, to use his agency in
0: interesting ways. Okay, my my last point about Ali is a question for both of you, but I'm gonna I'm gonna ask the question, then I'm gonna elaborate my thoughts first. I uh, I want to ask if you were surprised by the revelation of his uh, they're not hidden powers, but of of The nature of what's happening to him with the water, if you want to call it that. Because I picked up on it pretty soon before. I wrote down, so let me get this straight. Ali's mother randomly shoved him into the water one day to teach him swimming, despite the fact that swimming is the next thing to sacrilege. And there's also legends that they used to consort with water deities, okay? Nari also saw him bleeding water. I'm going to say bleeding with air quotes, water, as she struggles to heal him from the assassination attempt. And uh, Nari's tasting salt for some reason while she does so. And then he was incredibly thirsty afterward. Nari even remarks that she's never seen anyone drink that volume of water in one single go. And then, if that's not enough, in the very next scene, he stops swimming, he climbs out of the water, and he checks he's inexplicably healed. So I, I wrote down, how many hints are we going to get so close together like this? So when the climax came, and Ali was shot through the neck, and then you fell into the water, I was just laughing at that point. I was like, oh, 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 here we go. I know exactly what's going to happen in these next few seconds. So were you guys at all surprised by that?
1: Well, okay, so the first time I read the book, I was like, oh, that's interesting, water heals him, and I never, like, thought deeper.
0: (laughs) Okay, but you still noticed the water did something.
1: I, well, because they explicitly say it. I mean, if I had missed that. <laughs> yeah, but and still And then the second a, time I was like, this is really suspicious. But I like still, <laughs> like, I didn't put that together until you said it right now. Like, oh, duh, no wonder he fell in the water no, and all this I think
0: stuff did, <laughs> I think you did, though, because you consider the amount of information you're given and the number of details that Borty likes to include. I still think it does say something that you actually do remember seeing that line and thinking, hmm. Yeah. Something fishy here. I didn't mean to use that as a term. <laughs> <laughs> Pun intended. Now own it. Own it. You I'll said own it. fishy. I'll own it. Pun intended. <laughs> no, not intended, but I'll own it. But yeah, that's everything I had to talk about with, with, with Ollie. Drew, you surprised? Yeah, I,
2: I was not surprised. Didn't think that. so. <laughs> I, I will say... We've read that too many of these not, books, haven't we? Yeah, that was not the only thing in this book that was not surprising to me. Yeah, uh, the pretty, pretty much all of the major twists... Um, I I saw coming. Uh, both both the Ali thing and Dara's you know slave bond. Um, I will say, Anisha, uh, have you read or seen The Witcher?
1: Uh, no. I mean, the games. <laughs> That's enough.
2: okay. That's how I started well, with the games. Well, so in we covered The Last Wish uh, a couple of months ago, and the first in The Witcher Last book. Wish the final short story is called The Last Witch. Wish, not witch. Um, <laughs> I mean, it, it, I love it, hearing it love is it. about Yennefer. Like, anyway, uh, but the big twist in that, you know, is like a, the whole thing is about a, a djinn that, you know, they accidentally release and like, okay, you know, we have to like get the wishes, you know, and figure out who is the master of this djinn. And the twist in that story is was so similar to the twist in this story, and the hints to it were laid out in similar ways <laughs> that I was like, "Oh, this is this is The Witcher. Like this is the okay. same thing." <laughs> I want to say is that The I Witcher, have absol- but Brown.
0: <laughs> I have absolutely no godly idea what Drew is talking about. And I read wow. that. I read The Witcher, and I've played The Witcher.
1: I have no. That's what you are talking about
3: after. Really funny okay, because well, when. I-
1: I saw the Last Wish. I was like, "Oh, there's a mission in The Witcher where you go with Yennefer to do the gin d- thing," and I immediately knew what exactly oh. what story it was. Like, I haven't read it, but I yeah. knew what the story was.
3: <laughs> uh.
2: Yeah, so we can we can bleep this out in post. But Rob, like, how the twist is that <laughs> is the master of it, and he has yeah he has the wish like at the oh yeah because we thought point. it was yeah. Jasky- yeah okay yeah and and the twist in this one was like oh of course you know the. All of this weird stuff is happening around him that isn't normal for a freed slave, because he's not freed, and Nari is the master. Like, yeah. So, yeah,
1: okay. yeah, that definitely. Uh, I mean, because there's even that moment where she touches his ring, and he's like, "Oh my god, I'm still here. I'm still okay." And you're like, oh, "Okay, something's gonna go yeah. down." But I like that. You know, I kind of like being like hit over the head with a poster board that says what's gonna happen because <laughs> I'm still gonna miss it half the time. <laughs>
2: I mean, this is the kind of stuff that, like, Rob and I, I mean, we're, what is this, 70... 71. 71 episode?
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. And uh, we've read so many books that have similar styles of foreshadowing that we're, we're just so used to digging into and picking things apart. And, yeah. Yeah. Ourselves, haven't we? Yeah. I mean, we, we had the same thing happen with Foundryside by Robert Jackson Bennett. Oh, my God. Like, a book that, had I not been so used to figuring out this kind of stuff... I probably would have enjoyed a lot more but as it was like we did two episodes on that book and you know we ended the first episode with our predictions for the second half and we got like every single prediction right <laughs> yeah That's yep yep funny. yep I, I think there was one prediction that I had
0: that I didn't get right and then and that was it like <laughs> including the predictions for the second book some of them turned out to be true as well Shortfall was yeah, awesome yeah. Though. but anyway yeah, yeah, going, going, going back movie, to yeah. the city of brass here <laughs> Um, can I start my bitching about Dara?
1: Yes. I'm also going to say, as much as I love Dara, I'm 100% certain your bitching is absolutely justified, because he's, like, that's just, you know, so go <laughs> Thank, for it. Well,
0: okay. This may take a little while. Uh, this is going to get a little spicy. I'm sorry, everybody, if you like Dara, but, uh, I'm Dara i with my beer here. Dara yabu uh, I just... Avshin. I hope I'm not butchering that name. My <laughs> main gripe with Dara. My main gripe with Dara is how he managed to fall in love with somebody as stupid as Nari. As a character, I thought he had a neat backstory, and he was fun to read while he's kicking everyone's asses all the time. But the fact that it was at my most frustrated with Nari that Dara started grudgingly showing signs of falling for her, it made me lose all respect for the guy. It was immediately following her myriad of deadly mistakes at Hieropolis and her, her absolutely childish tantrums that put both of them in danger. And then out of nowhere, after that, suddenly Dara is blushing. And Nari starts flirting, of course, and she goes like, oh, you're falling for me already, you know, and he's just like, your, your, your company isn't all that bad. You know, that's just like oh. <laughs> after after the memories. After she sees his memories, I thought, oh, and he's like reacting, and he's all he's he's crying, he's shaking. I'm like, well, now he's vulnerable, okay. And then and then we learn from his own mouth that Suleiman's biggest mistake was giving the Deva bodies so that they can mate with the humans. And I'm just like, oh okay. I wonder where that's calculated to make Nari's mind and the reader's mind go. And then we go to chapter seven. We we jump right into the scene. We find Dara. Holding Nari close to his body, and he's teaching her to use the bow. And of course, she's distracted by his smoky scent. By the way, count the number of times smoky scent is used in this book. I dare you. And then, of course, <laughs> his hand lingers one moment too long. And if I had hair at this point, because I'm I'm bald, in case you didn't notice, I would have been tearing it out of my head at this point. And we're only we were only in chapter seven. I was like, slow the shit down, Chakra Holy s***. But then. <laughs> We get to chapter 9. Okay, we're in chapter 9. We're only in chapter 9 at this point. Now, Nari is angry at Dara for, what, being a 1,400-year-old deific warrior revived by her mistake, haunted by memories of his family's slaughter, who may have indulged a little too much wine and then rudely snapped at her after endless prying. But, of course, the next scene, Nari is all, oh, no, you f***ed up. Don't touch me! I can get myself into the mount, you scumbag asshole. Me, 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 me. And of course, the deific being, too powerful and beautiful to believe. He's following her. He's on his knees, apologizing. He's begging for her mercy. Of course, the dude with 15 centuries of life, almost, is, and I quote, nervous as a little boy when admitting that he can't let anything happen to her, or he'd never forgive himself. You know? I'm <laughs> I'm halfway through at this point. Do you guys want to jump in, or am I going to continue? I'll let you jump I in will,
1: more. I will say that. So I think that he wouldn't forgive himself is because she's a Nahid, not because she's Nari. Okay, so but like maybe a it's, it's a little thing. of both. Um, but then I, um, I did think that like the romance felt a little bit rushed. It was a lot of like, wait, he was just complaining that she's a dirt blood, and now he's like, yeah. oh, but she's kind of cute. Like, what? Yeah. No. <laughs> <laughs> Drew, do you want to
0: jump on that, or am I just gonna keep ripping this guy apart? I don't
2: know. I I didn't have as like virulent a reaction
0: to Dara as you did. Virulent. Uh, I liked it. It's accurate. He
2: he was he was grading on me for sure, and he got worse as the story went on. Um, I thought. I mean, you know, we we Rob and I. Yeah, talk over, you know, Messenger while we're reading through these books, and, and Rob was complaining quite a lot about you know, <laughs> oh, early yeah. chapters and the romance. And He's and actually being very polite about that. <laughs> that and I, more than complaining. Every time he brought something up, I was like, you know, that didn't bother me that much. Like, yeah, like I can see your point there, but it didn't bother me that much. Mm. My mm. biggest issue with Dara was just like, what a jackass he is Yeah, about, no, this... um, about his culture, and, and how sort of hypocritical he gets when it comes to nari because she is you know a, a nahi and he like you know treats her he kind of puts her on this pedestal and at the same time he acts like she's also the dirt he walks upon you know and that frustrated me the most about him is was, was just like this cultural hypocrisy that he has
3: hmm
1: hmm Oh. By the way, I looked up Smoky Scent in my Kindle, and they only say it twice. <laughs> oh, shit. Really? <laughs> yeah. I mean, they probably so the one, refer to him as Smoky, or, like, sometimes they do cedar and his, stuff like that, but yeah. Smoky Scent, the phrase, is here. only used his twice. The one
2: that really stood out to me was how many times their robes are described as Smoky. Yeah. Like, every time there's, like, a deva.
1: Oh, wearing you know, robes. So the robes me, are like
0: smoking around their feet and stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, for me, it was the smoky eyes, his smoky scent, his smoky skin, his smoky <laughs> look. I know, was like, oh my goodness. Okay, so chapter 11. I'm, gonna, I'm just gonna soldier on here. We have Dara quiet and lonely, and he's looking at the night sky, and he's lamenting the clouds, obstructing his view of the stars on what might be his last night as a free man. <laughs> I just wanted to throw the up at this point. And of course, Nari finds herself, completely by accident, of course, lying over top of him and holding his face romantically. Oops! Like, (laughs) (laughs) he broke away. We can't. This is completely inappropriate. His smoldering eyes. Those are actually in the text at that point. I was getting Fifty Shades of Grey vibes at this point. You know. And now, okay, and now for what might be my most scathing thought in this whole episode. I promise, it only goes uphill from here. Up from here. But seriously, at this point in the narrative when they're bickering and flirting in equal measures before they reach the city, still this is before they reach the city, all of my bitching is, I honestly thought, this reads it honestly reads like Chakraborty outlined this relationship when she was 14, and then waited (laughs) until she was 35 to write it. Like, a long while back, Drew, you'll remember, that when we were talking about Ruin of Kings by Jen Lyons like I said that book felt like an excellent story written by a teenager City of Brass to me, in a lot of ways just until this point until they reached the city kind of felt like the reverse of that it felt like it was planned by a like as a sappy teenage drama but then it was penned by an excellent author and it just felt so bizarre I couldn't it was surreal <laughs> it was surreal that's what I'm going to say and then we came to Devabod, and then my opinion of Dara improved you know, a bit as a person and as a plot vehicle. He's just—he's got so many moments of unadulterated badass. The sparring match with Ali comes to mind. Seeing him worshipped by the Deva was kind of wholesome, in a way. You know, like knowing his dark in his dark and painful past. You know, I, thought, I was like, this guy <laughs> kind of needs that. You know, his doubts about his, especially considering beforehand. You think about his doubts about his reception in in the city of Brass. He thought he was going to be completely just boned. Uh, you know, like offering to teach. Who was it he was offering to teach to shoot the bow as soon as he fa- found Jamshid. out that shed. Uh, yeah, it was shit, right? Jamshid. Like, like these were, there were some moments where I was like, okay, he's not entirely bad. And then there was also more moments of badass. The unburning of the carpet that Nari destroyed. The, the fact that you could unburn something. I thought that was really cool. I'd never considered that before. But my favorite moment, I think, was when he summoned the flames on the Zulfi car. What he was dealing with with Ali I I legit, that was epic I legit got goosebumps in that moment so I just wanted to say Chakraborty undoubtedly still has that talent of punching you in the gut with a single sentence I found that to be awesome
1: yeah, oh yeah
0: so that's everything I have to bitch about with Dara I'm done now (laughs) I'm done. I, I get promise. it, though. It's <laughs> like,
1: I mean, really, it sounds like your biggest issue is that romance. And it does feel like yeah. if that romance wasn't there or it was done like a little bit differently, I almost wonder if it was like slower originally because that book is really long. So they may have what? cut it down a lot in editing and stuff like that. And the yeah, cave re- scene yeah. might also be a little bit of fan service. But I mean, yeah, <laughs> you don't want to so say I fan think...
0: service, but if, yeah, That's, I don't want to bring up the F yeah. word, but.
1: <laughs> I think the romance you kind of have to like like yeah I thought it was fast but I was like you know what it's fun this is a pretty like dark and serious book in some ways so I am just gonna mm-hmm. like let's have fun with the romance let's not make yeah. it like a big deal
0: maybe it was just how unbalanced it was it felt like they, the 90% of the, of the character development in their romance happened in the first 10 chapters of the book and then yeah. the rest of the book was that final 10% that you're just like oh my god get through it already <laughs>
1: <laughs> That's why I'd be so curious to see, like, early drafts. Like, how much was that romance? Like, how much did it change? You know, what did the editor say? Like, we have to speed this up. We are going to skip a yeah. week. And all of a sudden, he's going <laughs> to like her, even though she's shot you know?
0: Yeah. I don't know. That's everything I should talk about with, with Dara. Well, I, 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 I want
2: to talk about uh, Jumshid and... Okay. Okay. Yes. Yep. yes. I'm ready for
0: that. Want to start? Since you're so...
2: They're both really, really interesting characters. I think Jamshid is much more um, of a sympathetic character. It's a lot easier to like him than it yeah. is to like Mutadir. Uh, although Mutadir has that like, like fun kind of uh, you know playboy aspect to him, and it's n- not always shown in a negative light. Obviously, a lot of the time when you're in Ali's head, he perceives it as a bad thing. He perceives it as frivolous or dumb or foolish or whatever. But when you see it, like, how he lives his life from the perspective of Ghassan or Nari or Dara or, you know, people other than Ali, basically. You see how he uses his vices to kind of approach um, his duties to the kingdom in, in like a more responsible way right like he, he's he's the businessman who takes the client out on the golf course and gets him drunk to close the business deal you know that kind <laughs> of a thing and, uh, and so like I thought he was a, a well rounded character because of that it, it would have been easy to make him just like a, a buffoon uh, a drunkard you know a playboy who has no redeeming qualities but Chakraborty went about building his character in a way that really fleshed him out and made him realistic.
1: I think it's also really amazing how she like, she literally, like 90% of what we see of Muntadir is from Ali's perspective, and you always know when he's being biased. Like, you know when it's him criticizing it, not her criticizing, you know what I mean? It's like, it feels very much like when Ali's like, oh, this is like inappropriate why are we doing this it feels like it's Ali saying it not like everyone would say that
2: right it, she does a good job of using that third person close perspective to to remove her authorial voice
0: and make it the character's voices yeah i didn't consider that that's good that's a really good way to put it um on the subject of muntadir and and Jamshid, I, I wanted to ask wh- were we supposed to be surprised that Mutier turned out to be gay uh, I, I wasn't surprised I mean there were hints
3: and yeah, then there like, was
2: one point there was one point that I thought it was like really explicit and then there was that kind of blow- up scene at the salon where it's just
0: like brought right out
2: there oh yeah I, know?
0: I caught it on to as a certain as a certainty from the first hint when it was and yeah. I, I can't remember her name the woman who runs the brothel uh, his Can prize you- Kanzada, I think. Kanzada, yes. yeah, something like that. And, and she offers a boy to Ali instead of mm-hmm. a girl, and she turns to Muntadir, saying, "Maybe it runs in the." And, and then he cuts her off quickly. Yeah, he cuts her off. Yep. And I was like, "Okay, how did Ali miss that one?" <laughs> yeah,
1: Ali <laughs> is right so. Away. Ali is so oblivious. I kind of love that about him, though. It's kind of endearing, I isn't
3: actually, it?
1: Yeah, it is. The first time I read the book, like I guess I never really like thought about it all that hard. But, yeah, like, the second... Like, I wasn't... I wouldn't say I was shocked at the end when I, like, figured yeah. it out. But I, I was, like, surprised. But, I, yeah. Okay. I,
0: I really grew to like Jamshid as well. Cause, like, I was... So I was shipping the two right away. And then immediately, <laughs> a lot of Muntadir's behavior started making more sense to me. His reputation for wine and especially women. It felt more and more like a, like a cover-up, seeing both his and Jamshid's oh, nervousness. You know? So both yeah. him... Go ahead.
2: I didn't. I didn't see it as a cover up. I just saw it as like he's bisexual. I didn't
0: that's what he I was saw too. Just out and out homosexual. I thought maybe he was. Uh, thou doth protest too much.
1: So that's something. I also mm-hmm. talked to my mom about that, and she thought he was straight up gay. I was like, what if he's not? Like he genuinely is constantly sleeping with women. Maybe he also does like women.
2: Yeah, and the fact that he has that relationship with K- Kanzada. I Saturday? think so. Kansada?
1: Oh
0: yeah. Do we know uh, that, though? Is there, or is he just paying them for that? Like I don't know. I'm just speculating no, at this point. because he seems I, like if he really loves Jamshid, he might not be into sleeping with so many other people, regardless of Jamshid. I
2: had the impression that he had an actual relationship with her, but, you know, for a variety of reasons, wouldn't commit to it. And that was, like, her, you know, her deepest problem, that Dara
0: unearthed. Oh, you know what? Uh, During that scene, that climactic scene in the in the brothel there at the end, when Dara really started to explode there, you're right. You're right. She was totally indignant when he read Muntadir's mind, and it turned out that they were, you know, a thing. And then, yeah, you're right. Uh, she was like indignant. She was like, inf- she was yeah. furious. She was red in the face. They actually, she, and she then, was definitely invested in that. I hadn't considered that. That's a good point.
2: And then, Rob, did you read the prologue? Did you get yeah. a chance to read the prologue? For the next book?
1: No, For there's the book. epilogue so the, and a prologue.
2: At the end. What happened in the prologue? I'll tell you if I read it. Um, so it was a Moontedir point of view from years earlier, where like he's waking up with a hangover, uh, and Zainab is being annoying, and then he goes to talk with Ghassan, and they watch um, Ali Spar, and Jamsid oh. shows up the first time, and is like, I'm gonna be in your retinue now. No, I haven't, I didn't actually read that, damn it. Oh, yeah, because there are a couple of things in there, too, that felt like he really was interested in women. Oh And he was interested in in Jomshid.
1: Well, that's the, it really feels like, that feels like him discovering he likes Jomshid, but like moments before, he was sleeping with a woman.
0: Yeah. Oh, Okay. Okay, there's a context that I need. That's also
1: not to say that he couldn't have been um, complying with societal roles, you know? He, like, Mm -hmm. this is something we'd have to ask Chakraborty about, or, you know, some, maybe it'll be explained in later books. Uh, yeah. but yeah I read that more as he was bisexual or pansexual or something like that Okay,
0: and I, just, I kept feeling sorry for the both of them every time that secret almost came to the surface and they were just both really really like embarrassed and they were like mortified and I was like oh it's just, it sucks and my favorite moment in this regard came during Jamshid's well Jamshid giving Nari the tour through the temple and she asks him about Muntadir word for, and word for word he says uh, or actually I should say word for word the text says Jamshid's face brightened Muntadir is a good man. Very generous, very open, the type of man who invites strangers into his house and gets them drunk on his best wine. He shook his head, affection in his voice. He's the one I'd love to give this tour to. My heart kind of broke for both of them there. I was like, oh, man. They have, like,
1: that's the those two are the only ones who actually, I'm a big crier, so it's surprising I didn't cry through, like, a lot of the book, but that was, like, (laughs) when I, at the end, when, like, I, it's, like, blatantly obvious that they're together i was like bawling my eyes oh, out yeah. the first time i read oh, it yeah.
0: <laughs> when muntadir is like cradling jamshid's body on the ship and he's like bleeding out and he's yes. like, screaming, i was like oh, oh man so
2: i will say i saw jamshid as homosexual i didn't get any implications from him that he was interested in women at all like he was just 100 percent all about muntadir
1: yeah even kind of at the in the um, epilogue or prologue but i also think that we didn't really see enough of him to make that call but from what we did see i would agree
2: yeah and and i'm going to go out i don't know if this even counts as a prediction but oh my gosh we're going to be getting a lot more jump shit in future books
1: yes <laughs>
2: really i
1: considered that
2: oh there, there's no way with the way with that last scene with the, the revelation epilogue about it his uh his true origins
1: which by the way again something i missed the first time i read the book and then the second time i was like oh my gosh (laughs) i think it's very clear that when i read this book the first time i was like i'm gonna read this for fun and i just like read it i didn't like look into it
0: (laughs) yeah you didn't like dig into the text really hard or anything yeah (laughs) Uh, the only character i have left to discuss is nasreen
2: no, oh, I don't have much at all about her. I have I some. I definitely have
0: some.
1: You don't want to talk okay. about Ghassan?
0: He's a dick. He's That's so interesting to him. me.
1: Okay, talk about Nisreen, and then I might talk a little bit about Ghassan. Okay, yeah, okay.
0: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that sounds good. I want to hear what you say, but yeah, okay, good. Um, but going on with, with Nisreen right now, I just want to say I love Nisreen. Uh, she's capable. She's apparently selfless. She's sassy. I like how sassy she is. I loved her tutelage of Nari, and I... Absolutely commend that woman for her patience in dealing with such a spoiled little self-centered <laughs> brat for a pupil. Uh, Na- uh, Nari. Nasreen had some excellent one-liners. Uh, in the scene where Nari attempts to heal the old man, she tell- First, first, Nasreen tells Nari, You will insert it into his lungs and then his throat to relieve some of the pressure as his ability to breathe burns away. Nari asks, You want me to stab him with some magical Gaziri weapon that destroys Nahid flesh? No, the other woman said flatly. I want you to insert it into his lungs, then his throat, to relieve some of the pressure (laughs) as his ability to breathe burns away. I thought that was such a brilliant way to make that point. You know? But then, of course, uh, Nari has to make everything worse. I'm going to bitch a little bit about Nari again. Uh, Not simply out of incompetence, which would have been at least forgivable, but out of just ignorance and self-doubt, she's so determined to prove that she can't do these things. She was told very specifically... Oh, oh, I just skipped it with my space bar. Pardon me here. Uh, wh- <laughs> Damn it, I just skipped my page here. Where'd my point go? Okay. <laughs> Nari was told very specifically how to do this, proced- this procedure. And if she could have spent longer than 10 seconds actually listening rather than indignantly protesting, that man's final moments may not have been so terrible. But no. Much better to viciously kill him because you're too afraid to save him. I- and I wrote this down. This is pretty pretty spicy. I bet if your precious Dara came into the infirmary with that same sickness, you'd not only have listened to Nasreen, but you'd probably have found an impossible cure. (laughs) Also, keep in
1: mind, no, like, she's killed, like, everyone and failed everything and they're making her do something new to save a guy, all while all this other nonsense is going on. That being said, she definitely could have listened to Nisreen more. I think Nisreen could have been more honest with her, though, because it's not until they have a big blow up that she's like, you think Hassan wants you to succeed, he wants you to fail. And it's like, why didn't you tell her that from the beginning? Like, why weren't you just open with her?
0: That's it's exactly mm. where I was going with this. Thank you. The, the scene where, where she confronts Nari on her failing duties. Like Then I wrote down, then Nisreen lays down some facts. She points out each and every flaw in the younger woman's approach. You entirely ignored the Devas who came to see you at the Grand Temple. Then you stormed off without a word. You neglected your fire altar. You eat meat in public. You spend all of your free time with that Katani zealot. And I was like, yes, 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 yes get her! Get her, Nasreen! And after all of that, Nari has the fucking audacity to throw the slur Fire Worshipper
1: at her. I was yeah, like, Yeah, the, wow. the slur was a low blow. Yeah. But I, I definitely like, here. like, have you ever been taken completely out of your culture and thrown into a world that you're unfamiliar with?
0: No, I can't say Unwillingly
1: forced to go there? She doesn't want to be there, you know? I really sympathize with her cause it's like, she wants to be in Cairo from the get go and she doesn't have a say in where she ends up. Of course she's mad. They're telling What's her mean? everything she has to do. Of course weird. she's mad. She doesn't understand any culture and no one's explaining anything to her. They're like right. infantilizing her and granted she does throw tantrums, but no one's taking the time to be like, like Nisreen could be her greatest ally and be like, I know this is hard but we have to get through this but instead she's just like oh but think of what you mean to this people and it's never how do you feel are you okay no one ever asks Nari if she's okay Yeah.
0: Well, I guess for me it's, it's the reason that she gets upset though because after this scene Nari le- first she, she leaves the corpse and her duty to the incoming widow who doesn't even know she's a widow yet she leaves that behind for Nisreen to deal with and Nari wants to go to her bed and cry and she collapses into her bed and she starts sobbing but what is she thinking about in this scene her failures maybe her plan to improve no and I wrote down quote for quote she was suddenly tempted to destroy the painting to knock over the fire altar to get rid of every reminder of his of this duty she never asked for the only Deva she cared for had rejected her and she wanted nothing to do with the rest yeah her frustration in that moment is still with Dara even though that's
1: why I was like, oh, come on. Like, I definitely get that. Like, if she was just frustrated because it was a duty she was thrust into, yeah. I probably would have been more like, yeah, I totally get that. But, yeah, that yeah. romance again that you're like, but why?
0: <laughs> it just seems to me Dara is like that pivotal point around all of her, around which all of her f- problems rotate. And it's like, she, I don't know. She's just, she's so, I think she's got like this tunnel vision and it's frustrating to yeah. me to read. Very much. That That's
2: a good way to put it, tunnel vision. Mm. yeah anyway she everything that happens with her whether it's related or not she ends up spinning around
0: back on Dara and making it about Dara yeah he represents all of her problems even ones that make no sense for him to represent <laughs> well, yeah. Yeah. yeah anyway that's all of my character points I'm ready to go into like my miscellaneous thoughts things I liked and my favorite scenes well I think uh, Nisha wanted to talk about Kasan. oh yeah that's right I totally
2: forgot
1: about that hit me with Kasan. I don't have much to say about him, but I thought he was really fascinating, because I feel like he's really presented as an antagonist, right? Like, from the get-go, you're like, this guy's probably an antagonist. But he, like, he always explains things in a way that you're like, I kind of get why he's making these decisions, even if they're bad decisions, until, like, the very end when you're like, oh, no, this guy is, like, a really big asshole. I always feel like, you know... (laughs) He talks about, like, how he has to do all these things, because, like, what would happen if he didn't do them? Again, I don't think he's making the best decisions, but I don't think he's, like, a straight-up antagonist. Like, he's trying.
0: It's not so Uh, clear-cut. Yeah.
2: I can see that. Rob, I I was almost surprised you didn't have any character points, because I had one big one about him comparing him to some other rulers in Brandon Sanderson's works who are presented to us as like awful kings and awful rulers and then we learn more about them and it really changes like they're trying to make the best of a bad situation. You're talking about Iodon? I'm talking about Iodon, yeah. Yeah, okay. And how, and how, you know, they're limited in what they can do. They recognize the problems with, with the system and also recognize that, you know, if they want to keep power and, and keep their influence over the system in what they perceive as a good way they can't just you know hit the easy button and make it good they have to you know in in their minds choose the lesser of two evils in a way you know whether you agree with that decision or not or whether you agree that they chose the lesser or the greater of the two evils that kind of a thing but i i thought there was a really clear parallel there I yeah, feel I, like,
1: I, also, that's really highlighted in the scene where Muntadir takes Ali to where all the Nahid bodies are.
3: Because
1: yeah. Yeah. he explicitly says that Ghassan wants to burn all of those bodies and give them a proper funeral, but he can't because it would incite a riot.
3: Yeah.
0: Yeah, I, I, I don't know. For me, it was hard for me to see past just how much of a dickhead Ghassan was. Like, the, the fact that... Particularly when he confronted Ali and, 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 you know, explained that he knew the depths of Ali's kind of sketchy behavior. And he, he, he threatened to start killing Shafiq to keep his son in line. And at that point, I was like, okay, well, that's yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. I am no longer going to root for this guy, nor do I think he has any redeemable qualities. As soon as he started threatening the lives of innocent Shafiq to keep Ali in line, I was like, I just signed him off. I was like, nope, evil. Yeah. I didn't consider him least... much past that.
1: That was some, like, Lord Ruler stuff right there. I mean, Um, I don't think... You're not supposed to root for him, I think. I just felt like he definitely, like, fell into that gray area, and I found Uh, it really interesting when so many books take these antagonists and they're like, they're all bad. There's nothing, like, even semi-redeemable. But there were things that were, like, kind of redeemable, so to speak, even if they didn't make him good. You know what I mean?
3: mm -hmm.
2: Yeah, I agree with that. Yeah, I can see that. Um... Speaking of Ghassan and the the final scene when, when he confronts Ali at the end of the book and you know, strips him of his titles and exiles him, did I miss something, or was it ever explained how he figured out Ali was involved in the killing of the two?
1: I think it was because of, like, Rashid and all of, like, he got a bunch of the, ta- uh, whatever, the Tanzim, ta- what are they oh. called?
0: Yeah, so I think he got tons yeah. No,
2: I you're tunzy. you're totally right. I forgot that they tortured Rashid. Yeah, yeah. Said they, yeah I was thinking said he, that they just killed him, but there was like a line
0: where they talked rep- about how they they tortured him,
2: mm-hmm. right. so, and he okay, confessed mind,
3: everything.
0: Yeah, yeah. I yeah. didn't even I didn't even remember that until Nisha brought that up too. I was also confused. <laughs> I was like, wait a second. Okay, cool. Yeah, there were like a couple of different things in that conversation that he was just
2: like, oh, suddenly I know this, and I was like, what? Yeah, and. <laughs> I guess I was just dumb and didn't put together the fact that, oh yeah, they just talked about how they tortured Rashid for like a week.
3: Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> alright, alright. I'm gonna get into my uh, miscellaneous thoughts here, little things I liked. Yeah. Little moments. Sure. Cool. I thought she, I thought Chakravorty did a really good job of instilling this creep factor at the very beginning. We've got this exorcism scene that led to, and I, I, I was listening to the audiobook at this point, so I don't know how to spell her name. Is it Basima? Basima, yeah. yeah. Basima, okay. Basima, B-a-s- the Efrit. Yeah. Cornering Nari in the streets of Cairo. And then uh, Cairo. And then the, the ghouls. Oh, man. That was that was creepy. The creep factor was, was top factor there. Um, I'll admit by Chapter 5, though, I was already tired of hearing the same curse. Again and again and again. Suleiman's Eye. Apparently it's the only curse they have in this world. Uh, <laughs> but... I also did appreciate that Chakraborty has a flair with her appreciation. Oh, sorry, with her appreciation, with her application of the magic and the sheer spectacle of some of her scenes. That, Like I, I mentioned it before, Dara unburning the carpet, I found to be really cool. The climactic scene on the boat where we have Prince Alizade leaping onto Dara's back and strangling him with the shackles that are around his own wrists while the boat was on fire and everybody's dying. I thought that was really, really badass. That, that was really, really cool. I was That was the climax I had been hoping to see in this book. Uh, but I do have a question. Another question. Maybe one of you guys can answer this for me. Dara tells Nari, before they reach the city, that Suleiman's biggest mistake was giving the Deva bodies to allow them to mate with humans. But Dara then tells Nari later in the book that he'd never be able to give her a child.
1: Well, Because Dar-
0: he's a slave.
1: Well, because no, isn't it because he's not even alive? He explicitly yeah, says, I'm not alive. Oh, yeah. that's right.
2: Yeah. He's dead, right? He, he doesn't have
0: a... Okay.
1: Yeah. yeah. Oh. I had
0: to kill him to make him a slave.
2: Yeah.
1: So, oh, I,
0: thank you. Okay. That yeah. was the simplest answer ever. I, oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> that's it. That's all my miscellaneous. I just have my uh, my favorite scenes left. Uh, so I have a couple of miscellaneous points.
2: One, I, just like a, a pure throwaway line, and I wish there was more to it. As uh, very early on. Uh, an Ali point of view uh, when he's going into, in fact I think it's the very first Ali chapter, he's going into the mosque uh, to meet with Anas and he takes his sandals off and it says like, he'd no sooner slipped off his sandals than they were snatched away by a zealous Ishtas the small scaled creatures obsessed with organization and footwear I love that, that's yeah. hilarious like what? They have I little must have like, missed that line. Ho- housekeeping lizards. Like, <laughs> <laughs>
0: <Damn>. <laughs> that's so cool. Oh, um, right over my head.
2: Yeah, that that was like. I wish there had been more with that. Like, it was it was a nice little bit of flavoring to the you know to the world building. But I got just a, a nice chuckle out of that. Nice. But the the bigger kind of miscellaneous point uh, we we didn't explicitly address it although most of what we've been talking about today is like straight out of it at the end of my ebook version is something that I don't think I've ever seen from another like fantasy author and that is there are 10 questions like pre-written um, discussion prompts for a reading group and I thought that was a really really neat idea yep. the fact that it's not in every edition makes me wonder was it Chakraborty's idea or was it like you know whenever a certain uh, outlet got the distribution rights they tacked on their own little discussion questions at the end but either way it's a really good idea and I think more authors should
0: do this yeah Yeah. I haven't considered that like like I saw that and I was like that's cool I think that's more common
1: I think that's more common in, like, books for younger people. And even though this is classified as an adult fantasy, um, I wonder if they kept, like, were like, this will be popular with a young audience, and reading questions are popular with young audiences? I don't know.
2: Because this very much reads like a young adult book. Yeah. So it doesn't surprise me, I guess. But, but yeah, I, I thought that was just a really neat idea. And yeah. some of the questions, you know, are, are pretty, are pretty, Pretty surface level, but a couple of them dig into you know uh, heftier topics. Like uh, you know the the, the eighth question on the political feuding of the jinn is complex, tangled, and dates back centuries. Do you, did you see any parallels to real world events, either historical or contemporary, in your reading? Like that's a that's we could do a whole a episode about me. that if we wanted to. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I really, really liked that.
0: Can agree. I
1: can't agree. I guess I have two random things that I thought were really interesting. All right. One being how she describes skin color. She just says brown and black. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: No one's, like, dark as the midnight sky on a moonless night. No one's almond, no one's hazelnut. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, If she wants to clarify, they're golden brown or bronze brown. But they're always brown or black and i love that and i've noticed a lot of authors are really afraid to use words like that to describe people of color and they just shouldn't be because it's honest and it's true and it's like yeah we're brown we're black like that's okay um and Mm -hmm. i really really loved that um another thing is there's the scene where uh do you guys remember the scene where she's talking about the lock with ali he's like they thought it was some instrument and she's like oh no it's just a lock (laughs) So, she, yeah, yeah. they talk about the Arabic word for lock, which is uh, el, uh, Ephel in Egyptian yeah. Arabic, but it's Kefel in modern standard Arabic. And that scene is absolutely hilarious. I wish my husband was here so you could hear him rant about it. But in a lot of dialects, they don't pronounce the cough, <laughs> which is the Q letter. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. So, it's actually a totally like that's a really interesting dialect point. That's like totally true.
0: Nice. Damn! Yeah. Damn, there's a nugget I wasn't expecting to find. Yeah, I I do remember that scene. Yeah, I remember... It was a fish lock, right? The lock was, like, the shape of a fish. Yes. I think Mm -hmm. it was.
2: Yeah, and then she, like, picks it with a hairpin, and he's like, how did you know how to do that? Yeah. Yeah. And he asks asks her later to teach him how to do that. He's like, I think I might like to do this. (laughs) She's like, oh, are you contemplating a a future in, like, criminal enterprise or something like that? Which... Could be some foreshadowing, just saying.
0: Damn, damn, I didn't consider that. Good point.
1: I don't think I don't think Nari will ever be able to entirely give up her criminal past.
0: <laughs> no. It's too much fun. It's a source of too much
2: I don't yeah, know.
1: Yeah. Her enjoyment.
3: Yeah.
2: I will right. say I was expecting her like, you know, her lock picking or ...sneaking abilities to play more of a role in the climax. Yeah. Uh, That was another one of those points where I feel like... ...I wish she had more agency, that that she had more opportunity to do things... ...rather than kind of just get swept along while other people are doing things. But... But yeah, do we want to move into three favorite scenes? I'm ready.
0: Rob, kick us off. Okay. Alright, my third favorite. We'll go from third to first. Dara asking to see Nari... And someone, I want to say it was Ali, points out that she's, she, or maybe, probably, probably Nisri now that I think on it, points out that Nari only has time for those who are injured. And without missing a beat, chill as a cucumber, Dara smashes his fist through a table, yes. slicing his hands and filling them with splinters. And he's just deadpan. There, I'm injured. This guy <laughs> is f- dripping swaggoo. I have to give him that. He's, that was, that was cool. All right, that's my
2: third nice. favorite. Uh, so my third favorite was the Battle of the Gozon, where the, uh, like, both both with the Ifrit and the, what was it, that Apep? The, like, giant snake water yeah. creature. Yeah. Yeah. Great imagery there. Super cool. I especially loved, as the storm was coming in, the description of it as green. Because... Yeah that is something that has always stood out to me. I remember, like, from when I was very, very little, uh, a severe, severe thunderstorm came through, and the sky turned green, and I was like, what is this? And now living in Colorado, where, you know, occasionally we get tornadoes, and when you get those really severe thunderstorms that tend to turn into tornadoes, the sky turns green, and it is so cool, and it's something you don't even think about it unless you've experienced that already yeah. so i really appreciated that detail
1: nice nice yeah
2: okay nisha
1: uh okay drew you didn't tell me we had to have three favorite scenes i'd like to point out you just told me one favorite scene but i'm pretty sure i'm gonna have like the same answers as you guys but i'm gonna i'm gonna go with rob on this one for that that scene is like so iconic like i think i have it bookmarked just because it's like he why he just is like, whatever, I'm gonna smash my hand yep. through a table. Yep. It's like so I love that. I think that's the moment I fell in love with Gara.
0: <laughs> yeah. The offhandedness with which he does it too is just like, There we go. Yeah. <laughs>
1: mm-hmm.
0: Drew, mm-hmm. I was gonna I was gonna message you too, but I was like, you know what? No. This time he would have told a guest. This time he's gonna he would have remembered. All <laughs> uh I'll, I'll make a note to tell Daniel. <laughs> no, I'll make a
2: note to tell Daniel, because you're not going to tell him. Yeah, Nisha, this is, like, the third time we've put like on the spot like I forgot to tell.
1: Yeah. It's okay. I'll just, like, pick your fa- oh, I'll put the cough scene. Actually, make that my third favorite, the one where they're talking about the fish lock. I'm changing my answer. Okay, okay, oh, okay, okay. okay.
0: <laughs> All right. I can take it. All right, my number two now. Good. Okay. Uh, blah, blah, blah. blah. Oh, hey, right at the very, very end, Nari's big climactic moment. I just wrote down the quote. Ghassan would arrive to find his sons murdered, and then he'd hunt them to the ends of the earth, hang them in midair, and their tribes would go to war for a century. She couldn't let that happen. God preserve me, she whispered. And then she did the most un-Nari-like thing she could imagine. She ran into danger. Okay. Nari had one, precisely one epic moment. That's all I wanted to see. Just the one. And I got it.
1: It does feel like it's setting her up to be real good in the next book, though. Like, you're going to be like, yeah, Nari.
0: (laughs) I was hoping she would have a moment like this, and I wasn't disappointed. She had one. Okay. So,
2: my second favorite scene, like, isn't even a scene that took place on screen, so to speak. It was just when you find out that when she was super pissed off, she just went to Ghassan and negotiated a contract (laughs) by herself. And you get like all the details and Ali's just like horse. Yeah. Yeah. Like That was pretty good. What what a what a power move.
1: (laughs) Oh my gosh. I'm gonna just to spite Rob, I'm gonna make my second favorite scene, the cave scene. Ooh,
0: <laughs> One, the, the the escape scene you mean when the ghouls are chasing no, no, them? No, 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 no,
1: no! I mean the cave scene. What is the, the Nara romance? And Dari in the cave.
0: Okay, okay, no, stop! This is too much. This is, no okay. Yeah,
1: yeah the this is
3: shut up. And actually, it's
2: not too much. I'm gonna
0: start undressing you, and then
3: yeah. suddenly
2: <laughs> the storm hits. Yeah.
0: <laughs> okay, okay, I have been spited. I'll take it. I'll take it. Uh-huh. My favorite scene. Oh, wait, we are on me. Yes, my favorite scene. Yes. Hold on. Yes. Losing track here. Okay, Alizade bleeding to death and still having the presence of mind to protect the Shafit by disposing of the corpse. Either this scene or maybe the hopeless attempt to save that Shafit boy with the uh, the card. That was that was that was heartbreaking and that was that told us everything we needed to know about Prince Alizade. Or there was also a. This is, I know this is three different moments here There's another moment in the climax when he's on the burning ship Like I said, and he's he jumping onto Dara's back and redoing this Or rodeoing the scourge of Kazi with shackles around the man's neck To save his brother's life just I, I'll just say, Alizade's moments of badass they, they, All of them combine into one I love those moments where he steps up And I don't know, throws himself into the danger Like these three scenes were just so cool That's why I love Alizade so much
2: Okay. Well, my favorite scene was that, like, kind of showdown at the salon where Dara starts, like, reading into people's souls and dragging their darkest secrets and biggest fears into the light. And just the intensity of that scene and the growing realization of, like, what he's doing as he keeps talking. And you're just like, oh, 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 no, oh, no, you know, and then it all just explodes and comes to a head
0: and every
2: cat is out of every bag.
1: And then he's just gone. He's like no he's just left. He just smoke
0: bomb. He runs out. (laughs) Oh I
1: wish that's actually like Dara throws down a smoke bomb and like you can see (laughs) him running away through it.
0: (laughs) Boom. Smoke clears and he's gone. That's funny. It'd be very it'd be very quaint for a fire elemental too, yeah.
1: My favorite scene is the Dara and Ali um, sparring. Well, quote unquote sparring. They're fighting. I love that scene so much. Uh, I actually tweeted at Chakraborty when she was doing her Q and A for City of Brass and asked her if she like how writing that scene was, and she said it was a blast to write. So it's a blast to read. I think that's like one of the most perfect scenes in the whole thing. Like, it really feels like a turning point in the book too for me. Like, for action, it's, like, then, like, from then on, everything's kind of picking up, but I, like, that scene is just, I could read it over and over and over again. I tried to study it to be, like, how did she write this? How does this scene work? I couldn't do it. I was too absorbed. I was, like, no, I just want to read. You're
0: too close to it, right? <laughs> yeah. I like those those moments, and then the Zulfi car, the flames went up the blade, and I was, yes. like, oh
1: oh And all of the weapons flying across the room, which I think I'm a little bit biased because something like that happens in my newest draft of one of my, uh, things. Um, so I was like, "Ooh!" but I just, I love that scene.
0: (laughs) Nice. Nice. All right. Bang. Well, uh, I think that's a wrap on the book. Shall we move into the final draft? Uh, I'll just have like one, one or two final thoughts about the book as a whole before we do that. Okay. Uh, I'll say all in all, I'll admit I, I definitely didn't enjoy the book for the first 10 or 15 chapters. But then once we got settled into the City of Brass proper, I you know, I found the narrative more enjoyable. I was, you know, as I, I've made very clear throughout this episode, I was very irritated with Nari all the way through. But Chakraborty definitely gave me plenty of other characters to root for, like Nasreen, like Jamshid, and Muntadir, and obviously Ali. I can't stop glowing about Ali. And I can't deny... As well, on a sentence-by-sentence, sentence or even word-by-word word basis, Chakraborty is, is very, very clearly a talented writer. I never found myself stumbling over like over her rhythm or her cadence. She has apt metaphors and similes. I remember one particular quip from Ali claiming that he wants a mug of tea, and I quote, "...strong enough to hold the spoon upright." Little moments like that, I thought they were really, they were really cool. And her characters are diverse as they are believable. Like this is clearly a woman who has studied her craft, honed it well, um, and the, also the sheer amount of lore, like representing so many different societies and religions in the real world. I just, to me, that has to be the single most impressive aspect of this book, in my opinion. So I, I can fully admit that my gripes about Nari Dara are they're the subjective gripes. Am I interested in reading the rest of the series? Not particularly. Like I said before, it's just not my cup of tea. But City of Brass is, is definitely clever in, in a lot of ways. And, and depending on the reader, I'm still going to keep it in mind for recommending to new readers. I, I bought it on audiobook. And I bought it on ebook this morning as well. And I don't regret the money spent. So that's, that's, those are my final thoughts about the book. Well, I just
2: realized we never did predictions. Uh-oh. I Damn it. I, I only really have two, and I mentioned one of them already, uh, which is, like, half, half a wish and half a prediction that Ali is going to go to Cairo and end up being buddies <laughs> with Yakub.
1: That's what uh, Kingdom of one... Copper is. Kingdom of Copper is just Ali and Yakub being buds, right? Hell yeah.
3: <laughs> uh, <laughs> that would be
1: cool. Uh,
2: but the um, the other one... And, and I don't know how much of, like, a prediction this really is, because I feel like there were so many hints at it that Nari is definitely not a full-blooded Deva, and the, like, the the real full-blooded Deva heir is Jamshin. Because, there I mean, there were so many points where they made... Like, never about her. They never or you know she never really focused on it with Nari but a lot with Ali and uh, Dara talking about how full-blooded Deva don't sweat but there are so many points where Nari breaks out in a sweat and e- even up to the end of the book and uh, I, I I, really like I picked up on those pretty early on and I was waiting That's why I was really confused when, you know, there was the whole scene in the first, uh, when they first get to the palace, and Ghassan is like, she is full-blooded Deva, she has a curse on her, you all see her as Shafi, but I see her as she really is. That was all BS. Yeah. Like... And and I think he he at least implied that that was B.S. At the oh, end he, of the f- when he he flat covering. out says
1: yeah. that. Like, yeah.
2: <laughs> but because because in in the context of it, he it could have been him saying like it would be easy for me to tell the public that it was me just covering for you, or it could be him saying I was just covering for you. But either way, I I think it is like she she just is not full blooded Deva, and Jamshid is the. Nahid, uh, heir that everybody thinks Nari is, and that's why I think Jamshid is going to be a much more important character going forward. Mm.
1: Okay. Yeah, I was wondering if it would be that, or if it would end up because I have a suspicion, which is I feel like is kind of obvious, but that Manizeh is um, Jamshid's mother, which and they yes. always say that that's Nari's mother too, and I wonder if they're <laughs> siblings. I wonder Whoa. if Kaveh is her father. And it Whoa, is a curse think, that's hiding well, her identity. Oh, see,
2: I think she's a half-sister.
1: Yeah, see, I don't know, like, which, what it's gonna be, but um, she's mm-hmm. older, though, so... No, 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 jomshit is older, I guess. Who is older? It doesn't say how old Jomshit is. He has to be there older. Were,
2: <laughs> I don't think we got, like, a, a direct thing. They're both around the same age.
1: Yeah, but now that I think about the prologue, uh, Sh- Nari is the same age as Zainab. So Jamshed and Muntadi are like kind of getting flirty in the prologue. So Jamshed has to be older than Zainab, right? She's the Third same age as Zainab. Yeah, because Zainab is two years older than Ali in the prologue, and in the book, Ali is eighteen and Nari is twenty.
0: Oh, okay, yeah, okay. That yeah, makes you sense. guys are blowing my mind just now.
1: I think that's hilarious that I'm like, oh, yeah, don't you guys remember this? But then you guys will be like, did you notice this deep connotation to all this stuff? And I'm like, no.
0: <laughs> that's why I we mean, have these discussions. Is, we want to have as yeah. many different sources of insight as possible so that we make sure we don't miss anything. Because yeah, everybody reads great. books differently. Yeah. yeah. Yes. And there's one thing that I forgot to mention. Uh, it was a stylistic point, something very, very small that I really appreciated. It was a very nice little deft narrative touch on the part of Chakraborty. It was the first line of the book and the last line of yes! the book. Yes! Oh, yes! If, if you don't count the epilogue. The first line of the book, he was an easy mark. Nari smiled behind her veil. And in the last chapter, last sentence, Nari always smiled at her marks. Oh, it did yes. find It was such a good bookend. It was very, very well done. I liked it.
1: I love when books do that. I just love it. Mm. Nice.
0: I
2: love it when series do that.
0: Yes, yeah. I was just thinking that
2: mom
3: <laughs> ah, Watch,
1: watch ah. Empire. Yeah. Oh my gosh, watch Empire of Gold do that, which is coming out June 30th, yeah. by the way. Yeah, yeah, it's coming out this year, right? It's coming out this month. This month. This month. Oh, it's damn. A, nice. It's June 30th.
0: Damn.
1: Okay. Nice. Man, All I right. I
2: don't know when I'll have the time to read that. Damn. <laughs> I know. We have the
0: Cosmere dive into as well.
2: Oh, yeah, we have such a joke. schedule coming up. Um yeah. But anyway, final I think now we could go to final
0: drink. Yep, I think we could do it too. I'll go first because I have. <clears throat> pardon me, the boring choice. I am ashamed to say it, but I, you know, I didn't get to the liquor store again to to buy a, an appropriately thematic beer, so I just went for the piss water again. I'm drinking Bush Ice, again, everybody. Yikes. The less I say about <laughs> it, the better. Listen, I'm just gonna toss it. There it is. It's gone. <laughs> oh boy, Nisha, have you been drinking
3: anything?
1: Yeah, I have this really, really great tea that I've been drinking. It's decaf. Um, It's in a mug. That's for the local library here. And I think you should always drink tea out of a library mug. Uh, It's yeah, I I would highly recommend it. It's an English breakfast, which is not my favorite, but it's pretty good. Nice. I spent like
0: the first half of my childhood in a library because my mom was a librarian. (laughs) I can absolutely get on board with that.
1: My mom's a librarian. Really? Really? Yeah. yeah, My mom was
0: a librarian until I was like 12, and then she became a French teacher. But I spent like the first 12 years of my life after school every day in a library for hours. Public libraries. There were worse ways to grow up. Hell yeah, man. And what a surprise. (laughs) Suddenly I have a podcast where I talk about epic fantasy books. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) How does that happen? Could never have seen that coming.
2: Um, Hi, Drew.
0: What are you drinking? Anyway, uh,
2: as usual, I do have a thematically appropriate beer. This is a uh, mixed culture pale ale from True Brewing Company in Denver, Colorado. I've had a, a few beers on in the past from True because they just have great names that are easy to apply to fantasy and science fiction books. Uh, but this one, you know, it's definitely pretty tart. A little, little hoppy, but not too much. Very citrusy, kind of fruity forward. Super tasty, 4.7% alcohol. It is called Cursed.
1: Nice.
0: <laughs> all right, all right. That's, that's, that, there's so many different ways to apply that to this book. I like it. It's <laughs> yeah. flexible.
1: Yeah. There,
0: you know,
2: I was, I was you know, looking through the store today, and I saw this right away, and I was like, okay, I'm going I'm to save that unless I find something really interesting. I will say, with the number of uh, Arabic titles and ranks in this, I was really disappointed that there were no maharajas. Because there's a beer very accessible in Colorado called Maharaja.
1: Maharaja is not Arabic.
2: It's not Arabic.
1: Oh snap! Okay. No, it it's, it's Persian. right? It's uh, I think Hindi, or Sanskrit. It's Hindi. Okay. Yeah.
2: Because well, because this book takes place across like the Deva are all across Asia. I mean, the what was it? Uh, Tukaristan is basically like Mongolia and China. Yeah. 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 And, is India. And like Devabad and Devastan is like in northern India and Pakistan, right? So
1: the only thing is Ghassan would be the Maharaja because uh, Agni Vashni is under like Deva rule, right? So there can't be a Maharaja.
2: Oh, okay. Okay. That makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, I was just Still hoping learning. that there would be like some character in this Ushab and be like, ah oh, yes, it's the Maharaja and then I'd be able to bring it the beer. But... <laughs> I hope
1: I hope there's just some random like Old Agni Vashni dude who just calls himself the Maharaja at some point. (laughs) Yeah.
0: It's just like a nickname he's got.
1: Yeah.
2: (laughs) I'm like I'm like, Rob, we have to cover this book at some point because I need to bring in the beer.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Um, Hell yes.
2: But yeah, yeah. So cursed I thought cursed fit pretty well though. (laughs) Nice. But I think that brings us to the end. This has been episode seventy one of the Inking Out Loud podcast. Next up, we are heading into the Cosmere once again. We are starting Mistborn, the final Empire. We will be covering the prologue and the first 18 chapters. So if you want, you know, if you haven't read the book in a while, or if you read it for the first time, that's your your mark for what we'll be talking about. We are going to have a very special guest on once again for that one. Uh, Some of you might recognize this name. It's Daniel Green. I'm so excited! Uh yeah it'll it'll be a good time as always i'm your host drew mccaffrey with me is my co-host rob santos yo and
0: our special guest nisha
1: the cave scene oh no <laughs> <laughs> oh.
0: thanks again oh, seriously boy. nisha thank you for coming on it's been thank awesome. you it's been a, it so much fun oh, yeah and
1: thank you for, for having the me book
0: recommendation yes no problem
1: thanks for having me it was <laughs> a lot Definitely.
0: of fun So, yeah, thanks for
2: listening, and we'll catch you next time. Bye, everyone.